Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Have you noticed that superhero groups seem to be all the rage at the moment? And I was, I was thinking about superheroes and certainly with it being the morning congregation, I wasn't sure if you have superheroes like these guys here, the Hulk and Thor and Iron Man, uh, all these superheroes. And so I actually Googled superheroes of the 1960s. That is the, sort of, that is the sort of preacher that I am in doing my research for you. And I discovered that the superheroes of the 60s were, well, can I get some help? Superman. Superman Batman. Batman. Spider-Man. <laughs> Thor. Who else do we have? The Hulk. The Hulk. Oh, so you are familiar with superhero groups, right? <laughs> Superhero groups, are, they're, they're all the rage at the moment. If, if you then, if you then uh, move into the great era that was the 80s and the 90s, you had such groups such as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You had the, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they, they were great fun. Anyway, here's the point. If you, what, what is it that makes this movie? You know, this, this movie, The Avengers, Infinity War, has just uh, grossed over $1 billion already within its first week of screening. And can you believe it? How dare it do it? It's already outstripped Star Wars The Last Jedi in doing so. <laughs> but here's the question. Why, why is this such an attraction to superhero groups? You said Lord of the Rings is another one. Um, could, I, could I suggest that there's something within you and I that that resonates with the plotline and the story of a bunch of wildly different and often ordinary people coming together in a group to defeat a task that they could only possibly defeat if they did it together with the unique combination of their skills. <laughs> and, and we've all... When did we ever lose that wonder too, by the way? You know, that, that's the sort of stuff that we dream about as kids. I mean, you can't find a kid under the age of five who doesn't want to dress up in a cape or some form of uh, foam muscles. <laughs> and I think it's because there's something within us that wants to be a part of something bigger and purposed for something greater. I was sharing with Ben out the back before his baptism that um, that, that, that whole season for me happened when I was baptised. And, uh, and mine, mine was triggered in far more pragmatic ways. I, I was at Sydney's The Basement in my sort of secular wilder days before I was a, a pastor and, and I was working with, with the Len Lease group and, and I was out there with my boss late on a Friday night who um, had sort of, you know, certain things that make him speak the truth in love on, late on a Friday night in, out in the basement, <laughs> read between the lines. And he said, Sam, Sam, mate, 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 take, take this as a compliment, but you are a hopeless accountant. <laughs> he said, you know what, mate? You know what, mate? This is gift of prophecy. You know what, mate? You should be doing something, I don't know, like that Tony Robbins guy. You should be, I don't know, doing something where you get up in front and you, you speak to people or something. <laughs> Have you ever felt that inescapable itching that what you're doing now is not what you were built for? That desire for a big life, that somehow you're not in your sweet spot. If only I could get out of this or only someone could discover me or if only I could be part of something bigger, then there would be a joy and a purpose and a wonder in my life again. 
What I want to say to you this morning, if that itch is true for you, then this passage scratches that itch. Because one of the great truths of this passage, when we talk about the spiritual gifts, Paul says, now, about the spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. And what he's, Paul always does this, by the way. Paul is the sort of guy, if you gave him, like in the old days, a UBD street directory, Paul starts at the big gridded map of Sydney, you know, and he used to do that, pull it out of the pocket in your car. Paul always starts with the big picture. And here's what Paul is saying to us this morning. You have to understand, before you even start thinking about talking about spiritual gifts, you have to understand this thing, the church, was history's first superhero group. <laughs> that you, this morning, if you call yourself a Christian, you're an Avenger. You're part of the Justice League. <laughs> you, he says, don't be ignorant. It's 50 years on after Jesus has risen from the dead. Guys, come back to John 14 when he was in that upper room in Jerusalem and he said to his followers, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. This is the sort of plot line they should be making a superhero movie about because Jesus is saying, look, here's the deal. I am going to sit at the right hand of the Father and I'm going to unleash love and compassion and justice on the world. And by the way, the way that I'm going to do that is through you. I'm going to send you into the world. I'm going to bestow you with my superpowers, spiritual gifts, so that you can heal a hurting and a broken world. <laughs> How many of us rolled out of bed and were thinking that as we drove into the car this morning as we're coming into church? <laughs> How many of us went, oh, I'm part of the Justice League this morning? I get, to, I get to get together for my superhero debrief and prep session before I head out into a hurting and broken world with it. But that's, that's what he's saying. So we have, before we even start talking about all the things that there would be some of us here this morning that want to learn about tongues, prophecy, what does all that sort of stuff mean? Uh, let's be, Paul says, don't be ignorant. On one hand, think about the big picture. On the other hand, he said, um, don't be ignorant because... If you don't start with the big picture, you can be like so many people. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but how many people here have had some or know of some sort of horror story to do with spiritual gifts of a friend or a church that they've been to where a church has done something crazy over them and the friend has said, I never want to go back. <laughs> or, or you've been desperate to invite your friends to church and someone gets into the thing about tongues and some things being said over them and it scares the living daylights out of them. <laughs> Right? Paul says, I don't want to be, I don't want to be ignorant about this. Um, there's, it's, a, it's a lot bigger, it's a lot greater than that. The point being, he says here, verse 12, the whole reason these gifts are here, church, is to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ might be built up. In the great mystery of it, he's saying, uh, similar to Ephesians 2, you're God's workmanship, Created to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. So that means um, that there is a place, there are plans, there are contexts for which God has specifically ordained your talents, your abilities, your gifts to meet the needs of others around you. That's why they're here. That's why the gifts are here. So in light of that, can you see how incongruent it would be of that big picture that when we come to talk about spiritual gifts, we all get obsessed 
with what prophecy might mean or what tongues might mean uh, or what words of wisdom might mean. Uh, can you see, and more, and more so, how incongruent it would be to just to focus on that? Like, for, for example, this morning, I, I've got a great offer for you. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to pray over anyone this morning who would like to receive the gift of generosity. <laughs> if you would, as a pastor, I've never had someone say to me after a service, Pastor, Pastor, my relationship with God is getting very deep. You know what? I am desperately yearning for the gift of giving my money away. <laughs> But it's in there in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. It says, if it, one of the lists of the gifts, if it is contributing to the needs of others, then let them give generously. So here's the thing. Why do, why do people get so caught up obsessing over the spiritual gifts? Um, on one hand, you know, it could be, could be because you want a, a supernatural feeling with God or maybe just simply it's more snazzy to think about this stuff than it is reading your Bible. Um, but either, either way, um, you're doing this. Have you ever noticed when you pick kids up from a, a birthday party, they get the lolly bag? Uh, Any time anytime, uh, my brothers and sisters used to go to a birthday party, it was, it was just mayhem in the backseat of the car. Because uh, it's like, I want a banana. I want this. I want that. What do you got in your lolly bag? Did you, did you get a toy? Did you not get a toy? Can I have this? And, and so, uh, it, it, so it, the mayhem ensues to the extent of they're just, they're just so absorbed in that, they've totally forgotten what they were celebrating in the first place. <laughs> and so my question for us is, if we get so obsessed about the spiritual gifts... Are we more focused on the gifts rather than the giver of the gifts? It's a lolly bag principle. You get so caught up in, I want a banana, I want this, I want that. Well, First Corinthians says this, Ephesians says that, Romans says that. I want we get so caught up in the gifts themselves that we forget the giver of the gift in the first place. Now, now what are they? Let's, let's just work through the practicalities. Verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, message of knowledge, by means of the same spirit, by another the faith of the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit. So you can see Paul's listing all of this in 1 Corinthians 12, but that's not the only space that you see the spiritual gifts listed. You see 1 Corinthians 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Ephesians gives us five gifts. Corinthians 12 gives us nine gifts. Like with, with which is it? Five or nine? What, what's, what's the deal? Look, if you add them all together in a list, there's something like 21 different spiritual gifts that are listed. So in practical terms, they're very, very diverse. They're very wide. They're wide-ranging. Um, they're all sorts of patterns that you see happening through that. What, what is, what's the Bible saying to us in all this? What's Paul doing in all, all of this? He's doing this. Red, yellow and pink and green, purple and orange and blue. Right? <laughs> I can see a rainbow. Um, what, what Paul is doing in this is, is to say the spiritual gifts are merely a refraction of the one spirit who is holy light. So the whole point that, that Paul is saying is like we look at all of this list out here. And in fact, if you look at the list and the church and the people of God, there's probably many different gradations of that color scheme. But that is not the point to get obsessed with them here. Come back in through the diamond that is spitting these colors out and come back and recognize that the one source of all of this is the spirit of God himself, the Holy Spirit, who is doing what? Giving all of this for what reason? For the common good. And so there we get our definition of a spiritual gift is not a list to tick, but a spiritual gift is merely an ability, something you've been given to meet a need for the common good. 
Now, you can get caught in all the specifics, but is your focus on the giver of the gift or the gift itself? Now, as we get into, oh, how do I get the gifts? Because that would be the question for some people. How do I get the gifts? My question to you first, then, is why do you want the gifts in the first place? Do you want the gifts because you want more power or you want more of a spiritual experience? Or is it because... You love the church and you see yourself as a servant of the church and you want to use those gifts to serve the church. I mean, do an exercise for me if you're part of the family. On, on a scale of, of, of 1 to 10, um, how much do you love the church? And, and more importantly, did you drive in today looking around going, God has gifted me with this and with this and this. And are you sitting there looking to the other side of the auditorium thinking, I pray that I could... Use this this morning. I pray, Lord, that there is an opportunity that I might get myself into a conversation this morning in which I can really minister to the needs of someone for the common good. Do we do that? I don't, I don't do that enough. So why, why do we want those gifts in the first place? That's what we have to ask ourselves. And then if we've got that heart motivation right, then simply it comes down to then, well, how do I discover what that is? And you know, these days you can do surveys, you can go online, you can work it all through. You know, the Corinthian church didn't have little online push-button form that you could do to discover your spiritual gifts. They didn't have a little mobile app in Corinth. Oh, I've got wisdom. Okay, I've got... <laughs> How did they discover what their gifts are? First point this morning is to do that, you simply do as much as possible. You simply serve. Simply serve. You start, you start somewhere. You start and you, th- you know why? Because look, if every form of ministry needs some sort of training, and so if it's not your gift, you're going to need training. But even if it is your gift, you'll need training so you can find out that it's your gift and then you can continue to expand on that. And don't you see you constantly need to be trained if you're going to grow in ministry? And so some of you might say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not into homeless ministry. I'm not, ser- I'm not into serving in soup kitchens. Well, start there. That's where you should try. <laughs> Some of you are saying, well, I, I can't lead a connect group. I, I'm not into that. I'm not sure about that. That's where you should start. Uh, I'm, some of you are saying, I'm not into a counselling ministry. Well, then maybe you should try peer counselling and just encouraging someone with a word. Don't, don't you see, like, if you start somewhere, that at the least is going to show you whether or not you're gifted in that. We'll talk about that in a second. But the whole point is we really don't truly know ourselves and we can't know ourselves in and of a survey, in and of itself. You just serve. And so once, once you do that, the, then you now have the great opportunity to move into a framework that we've all heard, and that is simply, once you start serving, you grid yourself in the wonderful spiritual Venn diagram that is wonderfully biblical, <laughs> of affinity, ability, opportunity. You find your sweet spot in that. Affinity. Does, does this thing get me out of bed of a morning without an alarm clock? Ability. Do I do this? Is there fruit in my ministry? Do I do this better than eight out of ten other people? An opportunity is God opening a door for me to do this. And so you serve and you see how all of those things work together. And maybe you've got a passion for this, but then maybe if it's a mature believer group like ours, um, you'll start to realise that maybe you're not really good at that. And if it's a mature group, they're going to get their arm around you and say, I don't think this is your gifting. (laughs) Now, does it mean you should stop serving? No, it might mean you don't don't lead that ministry. But if, if you're passionate about it and... You're absolutely so passionate about an area that you're not gifted in, then maybe also that's an opportunity to ask yourself, why are you so passionate about that ministry? What is it about that ministry that you want to be in? But you wrestle that out. So it's affinity, ability, opportunity. 
And then the last one, it's something you do or something really that you need to be aware is but aware of, but you don't confuse your gifts with spiritual fruit. Don't confuse spiritual gifts with spiritual fruit. One of the big problems is people don't recognize this relationship. And so all of us, here's the point, all of us who are Christians are supposed to bear fruit, but not all of us are gifted in the same way. And even worse, and it could be true for me, is that you can have a gift. You can have a gift if speaking is your thing, if teaching and admonishing is your thing. I can have a spiritual gift and people go, wow, he's doing a great job and and he's amazing. And and yet at the back end of my life, it could be possible that, like we talked about last week, the wrestles of of rage and jealousy and discourse. And So in other words, the, the spiritual gift could be so great that it covers over the fact that there's no truth, uh, no fruit. And isn't that exactly then what Paul gets onto into the 1 Corinthians 13, the wedding passage, where he talks about if I have all of these things, but have not love, then I'm nothing. So don't confuse your gifts with spiritual fruit. And so we see here, Paul then goes down into verse 18 where he says but in fact God has placed the parts in the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be if they were all one part where would the body be as it is there are many parts but one body and then on the contrary these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and so what I want to say to you this morning is that some of you some of you may not be serving to these places because you go, oh, I'm not as talented as that, or I'm not as gifted as that, or I don't think I can do that, or I haven't got the skills to do that. And let's look at the scriptures, what it says here. You're part of Justice League. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you don't think that you're the Hulk. You know, you're probably one of those superheroes in the group that's just one of those sort of obscure, Frodo-esque style weak powers that needs someone else to do all the heavy lifting. So right at that moment, that God-ordained moment, when someone is searching for God or someone is, needs an, uh, an emotional need, need, need met or, or someone is, is just desperate for the smallest and the tiniest of word in order for them to place their faith in Jesus, maybe someone, the worship leaders and the preachers and the rest of the church are doing all this heavy lifting so that you can come through as part of the superhero group and just whisper them over the line into the great adventure that is Christianity. It means all of us are indispensable. It means also then that there's no such thing as just sitting in church. All of us, if we are followers of Jesus, have been gifted to participate in the Justice League. And so that's all I've got to ask you this morning is this, that do you believe that God has led you to this point for his purposes? And if you do that, that changes the way that you see your life, that you see our church, that you see the week that you're headed into this week. You know, what would our church look like if everyone was as committed as you are? Would it be advancing, retreating, or staying the same? And I'm asking you these things, not because we want an auditorium full of ministers, and it's not about being in paid ministry because every one of us are ministered. But if... Uh, ministers, but if, if, if everyone acted like you with your spiritual gifts, would we be a place that was healthy, empowered, healthy and empowered, or would we be weak and listless? God's gifted you to work out your need to serve a purpose for the common good. 
Do you believe that you've got this? Do you believe that you've been given this? That our church and the wider church of Sydney and the wider church of the world wouldn't quite function how it's supposed to if you didn't do your bit? It means this morning for some of you that you are more than just a helpful addition or just another number in the auditorium. You are an indispensable part of our body. And Jesus won't be fully recognised in Crow's Nest unless we each all start somewhere and play our little part. You need to believe that you're a vital member as real estate agents, as sales clerks, as waiters, as baristas, as teachers, as dietitians, as therapists, as students, as stay-at-home mums. We all have a part to play in the body of Christ, witnessing to the people around us. If you're a teacher, have you thought about the way that you act and live impacts your class? If you're a business person, does the way that you lead and manage this week, will people see that and see something different in you? And would it even dare to be obvious enough that it's clear that Jesus is at work in your life? If you're a student, are you encouraging your friends in a world where I get it these days, guys? It's tough. Tough. As we saw with Betty this morning, what an amazing declaration of faith. As a young person in a world where Christianity seems to be a bit on the nose and not cool anymore. Hasn't been cool for quite some time, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> but you're willing to take a stand like Ben this morning. If, you, if you're a stay-at-home mum, are you absolutely clear that this week you have the most wonderful gift and opportunity to pour Jesus Christ into the life of your kids and those that you interact with in the playground? All of us have a part to play and it's absolutely vital that we understand that. His purposes are not arbitrary. We're not just here for the sake of being here. We're the Avengers. And all I want to point us to this morning is that God has called us into that great calling, that there's an opportunity for you and I every Sunday to turn up to this place. And oh, if we did that, myself included, every Sunday morning. Instead of worrying about what we've said at home and the family, instead of getting too worried about whether things will meet our needs and our preferences, if everyone had our, our, our heads set into the reality that God may be ordaining a moment for us in this time together in which, first of all, we might experience him, but through our gifts help others experiencing him also. Justice League. There are hands only you can hold. There are conversations only you can listen to. There are bedsides only you can sit beside. There are emotional needs only you can meet. God has placed that ahead of you this week. And so followers of Jesus, this morning's just an opportunity to come back to that and to remember that. Some of you this morning might be, as there is any given week here, looking in and checking out Christianity and wondering what all of this is about. And all I would ask you this morning is, um, well, I just think being up front, you want to join the Justice League? <laughs> want to join the Justice League? But more importantly, as you stare into your week this week, have you got a big life? Is it big? <laughs> have, you got, have you got purposes that are so big that even in the most difficult of circumstances, it's going to allow you to plough through that? And to whistle while you work. That's available to you this morning through faith in Jesus Christ. And he reaches the great superhero, his hand out to you and say, join us on this journey. 
of restoring the world. And if you're worried about how that's going to happen, it's all right. I'm going to give you the gifts, the superpowers to do it. May we be reminded, each and every one of us, that that is what we have been given this morning. It's what we are challenged to use. May you go and do it this week. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.